Welcome in to The Left Turn. I'm Jacob Blair. Alongside me is Trevor Mater. And it's podcast edition this week as we were unable to do our show on Monday. As there was a, a big race, Crown Jewel event, Southern 500. <laughs> it started uh, with Rain winning the event, but unfortunately it did not end up taking the checkered flag as they got that race in Sunday night. Yeah, thankfully it didn't. Um, you know, with uh, Hurricane Dorian over on the East Coast, you, you knew there was maybe a threat of, of some weather playing a factor. And um, it, it did. I think the race was slated to start at 5.30 our time, which would have been 6.30 out there. And they didn't throw the green flag until about 10 o'clock Eastern time. And I think the race got done at about right at 2 o'clock Eastern time, which was 1 o'clock in the morning out here. Uh, nor I think this is normally a situation where NASCAR would have said, hey, let's just call it a night. Let's come back and run again tomorrow. Um, we saw them do that at Daytona earlier this year. But I think the difference was, and you know, I think it was Bob Pockers that even reported the difference probably was, you know, with the the threat of Hurricane Dorian on the East Coast in South Carolina, parts of South Carolina was under a mandatory evacuation in effect Monday afternoon, that they didn't want to try to mess with that, and there was another chance of rain and the traffic and stuff. It would have been a logistical nightmare, so they said, screw it, let's try to get it in. And they did. And I think late night NASCAR is the best type of NASCAR. Like, I know you didn't get the chance to watch it, but there's just something cool about, you know, a NASCAR race at 11, 1130 at night. Yeah, I, I was late night racing myself. We didn't get done with our feature until I think like 1215. I don't, I don't know for sure, but a little, little busy, but caught some of the highlights. And it was a, a race where it, to me, and I saw this a lot on, on social media as well, is it was hard to pass. Yeah, is, Darlington's a place that's really hard to pass anyways because you've got to run the top. Top's the fast I line will say, though, the bottom was working better than I've seen it work in the past in Darlington. I mean, the top was still the preferred line, but um, it seemed like on restarts, definitely early in the race, Kurt Busch kind of got that bottom line to work. But, uh, yeah, Darlington's always tough to pass, so it's not really any different than any other Darlington race. It just seemed to me, I was hearing a lot of, of that dreaded phrase, arrow tight, which at Darlington is going to make it worse because you really only got that one line. And, and at Darlington, if you're going to run the bottom, you can roll the center really well, but you've got to be able to go all the way out to the wall to make it work. If you Kyle Busch was doing that incredibly well. If you've well. got to pinch it down because you're trying to pass someone, the bottom line's not going to work because the track, the, the groove is, is so skinny that – it really, you are going to get tight. So I don't know if it was necessarily a a deal with the the package, which is what a lot of drivers were complaining with, is, is that the package was was making these cars aerotight. It's more that I think no matter what package we've had the last seven years, you're going to get aerotight at Darlington trying to run the bottom with the car in front. And of you. we've we've seen this at Darlington in the past as well. But tire wear kind of played a factor as well. There were a handful of guys that got plagued by tire problems. I believe Alex Bowman was one of them. Um, Joey Logano, kind of in the mid part of the race, had a flat tire. We saw some accidents get caused because of flat tires. Um, Kyle Busch late in the race trying to reel in Eric Jones, cut a tire with, I think, two laps to go after he smoked the wall. Um, tire, I mean, it's nothing that's strange to Darlington, but we saw that be pretty imminent on Sunday night, Monday morning with, with tire wear playing a factor. And real quick to go down the finishing order of this race, first time winner this season, Eric Jones wins the Southern 500. And if it 
wasn't already a done deal that he'd be back at Gibbs. I think he proved that, that he needs to be back there as he picks up the Southern 500 win, locks himself into the playoffs. Not that he really wasn't going to be there anyways. There's only one race to go, but Eric Jones ends up winning the Southern 500. Kyle Larson, another second-place finish. Yeah, he had – I think he had the best car. Um, he put himself in kind of a hole early on. I can't remember if it was the end of stage one, early part of stage two. They had some problems on pit road, lost a ton of ground, ended up playing catch up pretty much the, the rest of the second, it was second stage, um, pretty much played catch up the rest of the stage. Then he got back up to the front and was probably really the only one that had anything for Eric Jones. He showed his shot there with about 50 to go almost pulled the same slide job that he that he did on Kyle Bush at Chicago last year but he realized he wasn't going to be able to clear him and he backed off then when they cycled back on pit road um Eric Jones and Kyle Bush just got much better pit stops than he did he was able to to pass Kyle Bush when Kyle cut a tire on the last lap but yeah another second place finish for Kyle Larson but it's starting to feel like he's maybe getting a rhythm here you know coming off a really good run at Bristol ran well at Michigan he's uh I think he's going to win a race fourth season's over. And with Kyle Larson, he's been – when he's making noise, it's for the wrong reasons. But when he's not, he is running really well this season. He's still in a decent place in points. So, yes, he, you, you've seen him have a lot of struggles this season. But although he hasn't got that win, when he runs well, he, he's, he just kind of is around. And that's – yeah, that, that's good because now as he starts clicking, he's going to be able to fight for more wins. Kyle Larson's stats the last nine races. He had a, a 20th place finish at Daytona, and then he wrecked at New Hampshire and finished 33rd. Aside from that, second at Chicago, fourth at Kentucky, fifth at Pocono, eighth at Watkins Glen, third at Michigan, sixth at Bristol, second at Darlington. So he's being really consistent. I think the most impressive thing about Kyle Larson tonight, or not tonight, Sunday, was that we've seen in the past where he just runs the top and runs it wide open. He was getting his car to work on the bottom more than we've seen Kyle Larson do in the past. Yeah, and he, he's kind of said that he wants to try to do that this year. He's he's probably done stepping over the, the Well, in 2017, when, when he was winning races, it was because he was not afraid to, to try different lines and step away from the wall. So maybe it'll work for him. Kyle Busch finished this race third. Kevin Harvick fourth. Brad Keselowski fifth. Clint Boyer was sixth. Kurt Busch seventh after he, he looked to have a really fast race car as well. Matt Benedetto with another good run in eighth. Paul Menard ninth. And then Austin Dillon rounded out your top ten. You look at some other of the playoff drivers as, as they're trying to battle for those last couple playoff spots. Daniel Suarez, he finished in the 11th position. Jimmy Johnson ended up in the 16th position. And then Ryan Newman is quickly running out of friends, and he finished 23rd. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Newman got into it with a um, handful of guys on Sunday night. He got into it with Daniel Suarez. It kind of looked like a racing deal. Um, you know, I guess Ryan Newman doesn't like it when guys race him hard. Um, who would have thunk that? I can't remember if he did he get into it with somebody else too. I don't remember. Um, I remember the the incident with him and Daniel Suarez. There were a couple guys that probably weren't super thrilled with each other at the end of the race. I know Joey Logano and Chase Elliott. I don't think were super happy with each other at the beginning. Um, but it's Darlington. It's not something we're unaccustomed to seeing. I think if. If Jimmy Johnson misses the playoffs, which right now he's 19 points back going into the, the cutoff race, this is going to be the race that he wants back. That was a borderline top five, definite top 10 car for 225 laps of the race. 
Um, a lot of the race, he was right around that fourth to seventh place range, finished second in stage two, picked up nine big stage points. Then in, or second in stage one, actually. And then in stage two, he was running about fourth or fifth, got to battling real hard with Clint Boyer, um, both guys trying to get every point they can. They ended up losing spots to Eric Jones and Kyle Larson, but he still finished seventh in stage two and took a couple extra stage points. Then he got to stage three, was running well, was in the top ten, was ahead of Newman, was ahead of Boyer, and uh, just kind of a weird accident where it looked like Daniel Hemrick cut a tire and then came down. Michael McDowell got collected in that as well. Denny Hamlin, who was running really well, William Byron, and um, Kurt Busch caught up in that. And Jimmy didn't get the worst of it, but he got enough of it that you could tell it affected the handling of the car. Um, very similar front-end damage to what Matt DiBenedetto suffered at Bristol. And when you get damage like that with these cars, it just makes them so hard to turn. And that's pretty much what happened. He, without that caution, he's probably somewhere between 5th and 10th and sitting, you know, instead of 19 points out, probably sitting somewhere like 8 points out. And now you look at the driver's standings. Uh, at the top of the standings is Kyle Busch wrapped up the regular season championship He's got a 64-point lead over Joey Logano, so he will go into Indy. He'll pick up those bonus points for being the regular season champion heading into the playoffs. And those other bonus points for, for where they finished in the regular season points will, will get solidified at Indy. But the points that matter down there at the playoff cut line right now is you look at like Ryan Blaney doesn't have a win, 93 above the cut line. He will be locked into the playoffs. William Byron, 66 above the cut line. He's locked into the playoffs. Eric Almarola, 57 above the cut line, about 49 uh, points ahead of Clint Boyer. He's got to have a really bad day basically crashing in the first stage and some other guys winning races to, to get knocked out of the playoffs. So really Eric Almarola's in. It's going to be that 15th and 16th spot that everyone's fighting for. Clint Boyer, eight above the cut line. Daniel Suarez and Ryan Newman equal right now. And then Jimmy Johnson, 18 back. Pulmonard, he's going to have to win. He's 69 back, so can't get in on points. And then everyone else behind him will have to win as well. So barring any surprise victories at Indy, which we've seen before with mm -hmm. fuel mileage, so that's not out of the question. It's going to be between those four guys for two spots. Yeah, and these four guys, you know, Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Newman, Jimmy Johnson. Indy isn't Clint Boyer's best track. He's had a lot of bad luck at Indy. Um, Ryan Newman runs real well at Indy. Jimmy Johnson runs real well at Indy. Daniel Suarez, I don't know if there's enough of a sample size there to really gauge how well he runs at Indy, but it's those four guys... And then if I'm Paul Menard, Chris Buescher, Ricky Stenhouse, Matt DiBenedetto, one of those guys, I'm swinging for the fences this week. You know, if, if I'm one of their crew chiefs, I am finding anything I can, you know, that I think can give me the slightest edge to possibly put myself in a position to win, whether that's, you know, by strategy, you know, pit strategy, or whether it's something to, you know, set up wise or whatever. I'm, I'm doing anything I can to try to put my team in a position to maybe be able to steal the win and steal that playoff spot. And then things could get really weird if that happens. That would that would mess up a, a lot of, of hopes and, and strategies for the, the four drivers we're talking about if someone sneaks in there and gets a win. But, but everything else, like we said, above really that 14th spot is secure. If, if someone does end up surprise winning, Eric Almarola is still pretty safe if, if that were to happen. So... I still, it's hard to, to talk about Jimmy Johnson not making the playoffs and, and where he was sitting a few weeks ago. 
he's a lot closer to that cut line than I thought he was going to be. So he's still got an opportunity, especially with stage points. But you're, you're going to see some strategies from these guys because they're going to have to go for stage points, and then they're going to have to go for that finish where, where some of the guys that aren't in that conversation, they can strategize for the win. So I, I think making Indy the, the final playoff, or the final race to get into the playoffs helps that race because there's a lot of guys you've got basically, you know, you've got a 40-car field, 36 cars can just go for broke and try to get the win while four are worried about points. Yeah. So I mean, you're going to see strategies all over the place. Because literally one. everybody else, you know, Kyle Busch walked up the regular season championship. He's just going out there to win and try to get himself five more playoff points. And every other guy in the playoffs, guess what? They're trying to get themselves five more playoffs, whether it's Ryan Blaney or William Byron who have little to no playoff points or a guy like Joey Logano or Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin that have a ton of playoff points. So, it is going to create some different strategies. Um, you know, you go back to last year, the, the bubble battle wasn't nearly as tight going into Indy. I think there was like maybe one car that was really in serious danger. Um, and there wasn't like it. I mean, this year, four guys separated by 18 points for that final spot. So it could get weird. It and, could get really weird. And the other thing is, although there, there's some debate of, of whether or not Indy should be on the schedule just because it's not a great track for cup cars. This is still a crown jewel event. It's the Brickyard 400. It's Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's the place you want to win at, and guys want to win here. So th there's also that. You're coming off the uh, two crown jewel events in a row. There's only four a year. It's the last one. So guys are going to want to get in on, on that as well. So it's going to be an interesting race at Indy, and I, I think it helps, like I said, with the, the fact that it's the final race before the playoffs. So – there's going to be more strategies than normal to try to win this race. If you had to pick two of these four guys to get in, who are you taking? Because I, I don't know who I, I don't know who I would take honestly. For me, I think Jimmy is out. Yeah, I think Ryan Newman runs well enough at Indy. He will sneak in, and then it'll be Clint Boyer. So I think Suarez and Johnson. And I think that I know eight points isn't a lot, but I think Clint Boyer is going to use every one of those eight points and probably sneak in by one over Daniel Suarez. And and I think that's probably the way I would lean too. Um, I will say this though, you know, speaking of speaking of Jimmy Johnson, betting against Jimmy Johnson or, or doubting Jimmy is kind of like doubting Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. I, it's not some, I and mean, he's never been in this situation. We've never seen a Jimmy Johnson that has come in to the final race of the regular season and not been pretty well set to make the playoffs. I mean, so this is a completely different situation for that 48 team. And I'm curious to see how they respond. He historically runs really well at Indy and he's coming off of a run that they probably feel like they, they left a lot at the track at Darlington and they've had some really bad luck lately. Not even all that they're doing. You know, you go back to Bristol, they get caught up in that wreck with Michael McDowell. Him and Ryan Blaney get into it at Michigan. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see how they respond. Um, it'd be crazy to, to doubt a, a seven-time champ and one of the most clutch performers in the history of sports, but it doesn't look good right now. It does not. And, and speaking of Indy, uh, yesterday is they're running the, the BC39 over the new dirt track they, they built at Indy for the Midgets. Uh, the USAC midgets. Eric Jones tested one of those yesterday and looked really good. And, and that was that was 
fun to see that on social media is, is see Eric Hoppin. I think it was Logan Seavey's USAC midget, but that BC39, I think that that's another good add to the weekend. And, and a lot of the, the Xfinity and Cup drivers you're going to see in that. I, I think I saw Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe. Sure, Ricky Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse, Kyle Larson are probably all running that. So yeah, that's a good way to start off the weekend at Indy. Yeah, I'll see if I can. Have they released an entry list for that? I had it I completely. It's, 90 yeah. cars is what it's showing and um, that I've found. Uh, see, Connor Daly going to partake in that. J.J. Yaley. Um, yeah, you mentioned Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, Chad Boat, um, and then some of the top guys in, in sprint car racing, you know, Tyler Courtney, Logan Seavey, those guys. So, yeah, it's going to be a great show on Wednesday and Thursday there. Um, a, a really cool thing they do to to honor a, a great racer in, in Brian Quasson who was tragically taken way too soon. So really neat thing they've added to the docket in Indy. I was reading something earlier this week, and I I, I wanted to kind of gauge what you thought of it uh, as far as I read an article about whether or not to to bring the, the Grand Prix course to the Cup Series schedule at Indy. I kind of like that argument because as much as I want I don't think you and I understand the fans don't show up for for the cup race but you don't want to lose Indy as a venue yeah just because it's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway so if you need to try the the road course there it's kind of like the Roval I mean it's they were starting to lose interest in that race in Charlotte because it's normally not that great of a race it's not as renowned as the Coke 600 so I threw it to the Roval and it was a it was a hit so yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I kind of like that too. I was just curious what you thought of it. I think give it a give it a try. See if more fans show up and and someone can can still win an Indy and maybe keep it the Brickyard 400 and make it a because most of the road course races are a little bit shorter in in distance. So maybe make it a 400 mile road course event and, and make it something different, something special. Yeah, I mean, because it's a how long is the road course? It's just above two miles. So it'd be about a 200-lap road course race, which, I mean, I think the longest one is, I think, Sonoma's 110. So, yeah, I'd be all for it. Give it a try on 20, in 2021. So real quick, going back to Darlington, there was also an Xfinity race. There was, and in, I gained a lot of points. And, and Trevor. It was a great weekend for me in the left turn standings. Yeah, real quick, we'll go over that, just – out of you know, because Trevor probably won't let me get away with not going over it. Trevor now leads nineteen hundred and twenty-four to eighteen hundred and sixteen. I'm now down over a hundred points. And at the conclusion, when the checkered flag flew of the Xfinity <laughs> race, I believe I was back to within like twenty points. Or I was, I was back within like thirty-five points. What was it when we? Signed off the show yes or last week. I know it was about a forty point. There gap. was a scoring error before that where somebody had accredited me with picking Ryan Priest to win the Daytona five hundred when I had actually picked Ryan Blaney, and I should have just shut up and said that I took Ryan Priest because it was about a twenty five point swing. <coughs> so yeah, it was like a forty point lead maybe or I don't remember what it was before last week, but I know I gained like seventy points this week between Denny between Cole Custer and. Um, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin didn't do you any favors yeah, this week. Yeah, he, he, he won a race for about <laughs> an hour. And like I said, I, I, I'd cut the lead to about 30 points, 
was up 26 to 18 in the winner's points, took the Xfinity points lead because we were tied going into the, the week. And then all of a sudden, I'm down about 80 points. The winner's points now only have a four-point lead, so a four-point swing there. I'm now down 39 in the Xfinity standings. It's not great to get disqualified. I just I love that you texted me Saturday, and I didn't get to watch the Xfinity race Saturday. I was busy at the good old Adams County Speedway, and um, you said, I, you know, pending technical inspection, my comeback has begun. Or began. Huh? That was a terrible it. way to send a text. Which was a very freezing cold take because then about 30 minutes later, I get another text from Jacob saying, Denny failed tech. Congratulations on your left turn championship. Which, I mean, I, hey, I'll take 100. And then Denny was running well. He was within a position or two of Larson all day. It looked like it was going to be a minimal loss for you, if any loss. And then he got caught up in the melee with Michael McDowell and Daniel Hemrick. So yeah, not not the best of weeks for you. At least I can hold on to my truck point lead for a couple more weeks. I also I love though that um, you know you mentioned Denny getting disqualified it was right height, correct? And that really has been the only DQ violation we've seen this year. Is it's been right height? I think for pretty much everyone. There was was it AJ Allmendinger or Christopher Bell that it was something with the the vacuuming in the engine? I can't remember one of those. Two. I think that was AJ. Um, yeah, other one than of that, AJ's two disqualifications. Yeah, other than that, it's been ride height, and and as Denny said, it's you've got a ride height rule, but you end up in a situation where he was adjusting on his car. His car wasn't very good. He's putting rounds in the right rear. When you raise the right rear to try to help your car, lowers the left front, lowered it too much, and he ends up getting disqualified. And for everyone that's like, well, why don't you just tech before? The race, well, then everyone would that, just, that's yeah. why right there, because although they weren't trying to do that on purpose, they, they adjusted that car to make it illegal. And, and again, NASCAR is doing the right thing. They're, they're taking wins away, and, and that's the way it needs to be done. I just love there have been like five disqualifications this year in NASCAR, and I've benefited from pretty much every single one of them. Didn't you pick, did you pick Seabell earlier this year when he got DQ'd at Chicago? I did. You picked him, and he finished third, I believe, and then got DQ'd. Um, I had Brett Moffat at Iowa when he finished second to Ross Chastain before Ross got DQ'd. Then I picked Cole Custer at Darlington, and he finished second before Denny got DQ'd. So what we're learning is a good amount of Trevor's wins this season have come off the back of the winner actually getting disqualified. And most of Jacobs have come off, you know, piggybacking off of your Kyle Busch or Christopher (laughs) Bell, so... We're not as good at this as we like to think we are. But Cole Custer ended up winning the Xfinity Series race. And it, just another race where it, it was a good race. Ryan Blaney, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick was up front. And then it was Denny Hamlin at the end that, that took the checkered flag first and then ended up finishing last. Cole Custer ended up with the win. As we've talked, as they head towards their playoffs, that, that playoff love, field is okay, pretty so much I set. I love this stat line. Cole Custer wins the race, led zero laps. Like that, I don't think I, that might be a first. Just, I'm pretty sure Brett Moffat at least led at Iowa earlier this year. And I mean, they haven't they hadn't DQ'd anybody in like 60 years. That is that is a fun stat that that could win you some money in a trivia contest sometime. Because no, nope, no, Brett Moffat didn't lead any laps at Iowa either. How about that? The two guys that have won via disqualification this year did not lead a single lap in either race. 
you, you take them how you can get them. That is, that is the cliche in racing is doesn't matter how you win a race. Take the trophy home and enjoy it. Yeah. Well, they had to go get the trophy. That, that too. Which, that's got to be the most awkward thing, though, to be the person that has to explain to definitely like Ross Chastain in Iowa. You know, he's declared for truck points, puts on dominant performance, looks like he's going to get himself in the playoffs, and then he gets disqualified. Like, could you imagine being the guy? Because I've seen it, like, on a local level. You know, a guy gets disqualified, and, you know, to be the one that has to go tell him that, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd like your trophy back. And uh, I, I've seen guys pack up and leave with the trophy before giving it to the actual winner and just leaving. Yeah, no, that's and then not, and then the track has to order another trophy. Yep, that's I, that's not uncommon. Which I don't. Why would you want a trophy that you didn't that you didn't win? Like unless I guess unless you felt your car wasn't illegal. But like, what that would just make me mad to stare at that trophy and go, I I want I should have won that race, but I didn't. But yeah, well, simply on the fact that we've done this all year and. We know you're going to win this probably, but we've got to make our picks for Indianapolis this week. We'll start with the Xfinity series, and for I think this would I think this is Kyle Busch's seventh Xfinity and race. It's a cutoff race, so it's the last one he can run. So I think I've been able to pick him six of the seven Every times. Every freaking time. so I'm taking Kyle Busch to win the Xfinity series, and the last two times I've done that, it hasn't worked out. So hopefully, it does. But Kyle Busch will be the fastest car. It's just whether or not that car can make it to the finish. And he runs really well at Indy, um, particularly in the Xfinity Series. So that's not a bad pick at all. Um, but, of course, you know that because you made the pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with what's been working for me. I'm going to go Cole Custer. I think I've picked Cole Custer in like half of his wins or something. Um, I know I had him in Chicago. I think I had him at Pocono, too. Um so, for whatever reason, Cole Custer and I just are getting along great together. Yeah, you're picking Cole Custer right now the way I was picking Christopher Bell there. Yeah, well, because we've seen what happens when I pick Christopher Bell. It doesn't work. So, I've got to go between Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick. And um, I'm, I'm going to take Cole Custer. I don't really know how he'll do at Indy. I think Tyler Reddick could be the kind of the, the sleeper there at Indy. This seems like a track that he run really well at. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to take Cole Custer for the second week in a row. And then for the Cup Series, you got first pick this week, and Indy is a pretty good track for one particular driver, and you ended up taking him. Yeah, I'm going to take Kyle Busch. He's playing with house money this week. He's already clinched the regular season championship, so he's just going to try to go out there and, and get five more points in his pocket come playoff time to the – ample amount that he already has um how many playoff points does he have right now not count it's a i know it's a lot um but i think he's gonna get five more he's got 30 and that's not counting the 15 that he gets for being the regular season champion so he's got at least 45 playoff points in his back pocket with the chance to maybe add seven more to that so I, i'm gonna go kyle bush to get it done he runs really well at indies won there you know a handful of times really likes that track and that's, I think, the best. You mentioned it's about probably going to come down to strategy. That's probably, for my money, the best pick crew in NASCAR right now. And Adam Stevens is one of, if not the best crew chief in NASCAR. So I'm going to go with Kyle Busch to get it done. And we also need to talk about 
we, we said we did this last week, but the paint schemes. Yeah. Actually, seeing them on the track, which one ended up being your actual favorite? Man, there was there was a lot of them. I mean, any of them really, I didn't have a problem with because you ran a throwback scheme. Uh, William Byron's um, Cole Trickle tribute looked sharp. Jimmy's throwback actually ended up looking really, really sharp. Um, those are probably two of my my favorites. The Palmenard one looked decent. I maybe was a little disappointed in how it looked when it got on the track. But those were those were probably three of the best for sure. I mean, there were some others that were pretty. Kyle Larson's. I know we didn't get the chance to talk about it last week because I don't think they announced it until Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but he did a a throwback to Ricky Craven's old Kodiak car. It actually looked pretty sharp. I was kind of curious how it turned out. And then Bubba Wallace is, I think, won the best appearing car award at the track with the Adam Petty tribute. Again, a really cool car. So those probably be my top five. Yeah, for for me, last week's show I said that I really like Chase Briscoe's scheme. I didn't think that looked near as great on the track as it, as it did in the pictures, and I think that's Dale Junior's look sharp. Dale Junior's look good, but for me, I think David Reagan was, was, was a, a, good a one. sleeper one for me that that looked really good. You didn't see a lot because it, it's a not necessarily a front runner car, but I, I really liked his race car and Landon Castles looked. Really, nice. really good as well. Uh, and I agree with you. William Byron's looked really good on the racetrack. So a lot of uh, good schemes. I thought Kyle Bush's car look, looked pretty good under the lights as well. Uh, and then Denny Hamlin's. Yeah, you know, I, I, I totally forgot about it. Denny's looked sharp. Denny, I mean, that, that was one of the best ones with the the Daryl Waltrip tribute. And, and FedEx did it right with the you know the font and the, the number colors and – you know, I think even his fire suit was pretty similar to Daryl Waltrip's old Western Auto fire suit. So they did it about as well as you can. And we've seen in the past where, you know, sponsors sometimes aren't super keen to, you know, changing their colors and stuff. But I, I thought that looked really cool. I thought the, the Stuart Haas ones, you know, they did the throwbacks to Tony Stewart's three championship cars. I thought they all looked pretty sharp. Um, Eric Amaroa did the 2002 one which is orange with the white and black stripes i thought clint boyer's looked really nice um but it kind of made me feel old because it wasn't that long ago we were watching that car on the track and then daniel suarez did just the the straight orange um 41 but i mean like i said there's really not a bad throwback if you make an attempt to do a throwback it's pretty good in my book and i think maybe one of the best ones that no one even talked about or even probably paid attention to was uh, Garrett Smithley's. Did you get a chance to see that one? I th- think so, the, but um, I, like you said, I think it just kind of stayed off everyone's radar because yeah, it, it was the Garrett The blue Smithley. and red 54 it was a throwback to 1973 Rookie of the Year Lenny Pond. used to drive a blue and red Pepsi car. Looked sharp. That that was a sneaky good one. that I, They put that together like last minute. Um, Alex Bowman's was pretty cool too with the – Tim Richmond tribute and the gold numbers and just a solid red scheme. And then I think the funnest part about the whole throwback weekend is that the drivers have fun with it. You know, we saw a couple years ago, Kyle Larson tried to look like Kyle Petty. Um, Alex Bowman went full Tim Richmond throughout the week um, on social media and stuff. And, you know, there was a, a picture of him on the beach with, you know, a wig that tried to resemble Richmond's, you know, notoriously long hair, and I mean, you could tell he was having fun with it. 
And we'll go ahead now and move on. You to, didn't make your cup pick. Oh, didn't you, you're right. Uh, I, the, you know what? After I, the week you had, I don't blame you. But you didn't yeah. make your cup pick. We're gonna go with Martin Truex. He he's been he's been good at Indy. He he's led some races and then failed to finish some of those races, but he but he's led them. So I think Martin Truex will will get that done. And like I said, I, I really don't want to make a pick because I'm done <laughs> making myself look silly. Oh but, no, we've still got like eleven weeks left. And Trevor's goal and then, now, I think, is just to continue. I'm running up the score. Yeah. Um, he, but then we'll then watch. We'll get to Kansas or whatever in a couple weeks, and you'll have it down to like a ten point margin somehow. Somehow it's be the way I, it works. I need some help. You need a lot of help. Yeah, but real quick before we move on to the IndyCar series, we do need to to mention that it, it was a a tough weekend for racing is yes. it doesn't matter what series doesn't matter what form of racing unfortunately Antoine Hubert a Formula 2 driver lost his life in a crash over at Spa and it's a tough weekend for racing anytime a, a driver you know passes away doing what they they love to do but it just uh, every time this happens it's a reminder that this sport is dangerous and, and these drivers when they put those helmets on, they're going out there and they're risking their lives to not only give us entertainment, but but do what they love to do. Yeah, and that's something that, that you never want to see, you know, no matter what circuit, no matter where we're at, no matter who it is, definitely not, you know, something you ever want to see. And definitely someone as young as Antoine Hubert at just 22 years of age. So our our thoughts are, are with his family and the, and the entire Formula One, Formula Two community. Is, is Many of the Formula One racers really did not want to run their Grand Prix on Sunday after that incident took place on Saturday, uh, again at Spa. So our thoughts are with the Hubert family and IndyCar as well as we go and move on to talk about their race. They were thinking of that community as well as they started the, the second edition of the Return to Portland. Yeah, and uh, the second edition kind of started pretty similar to the first one. You know, you go back to last year, my memory's kind of blurry from that race, but I remember um, they tried to go like seven wide and it didn't work. And was it Ed Jones ended up on his lid and Scott Dixon? I think it was Marco. Maybe, I don't remember. One of them ended up on their lid. Scott Dixon somehow saved a championship by not hitting anything. Well, uh, no one ended up on their lid. Um, but there was a wreck in the first turn, and Joseph Newgarden might have saved a championship. That was crazy. Um, they went into turn one. Graham Ray Hall was battling with, uh, I think Zach Veach was in there. Connor Daly was in there. Uh, I can't remember who else. And there just wasn't room. You know, and when you go into that, that corner there in Portland, it funnels so fast. And he tried to make room where there wasn't and collected himself. And, and Zach Veach, Connor Daly, I think Felix Rosenvist might have <coughs> – barely been involved in it and got out of it so my memory is a little shaky on that Kumasato was caught up in that Joseph Newgarden somehow didn't get caught up in that he was he was right there in the midst of it and didn't hit anything Simon Pagano got caught up in the tail end of it he got rear-ended by um I want to say it was Max Chilton and didn't really do much damage to the 22 machine but definitely not the start he wanted uh but just a, a crazy start to the race so you thought, okay, well, it'll calm down from here. So they have run like 10 caution laps to uh, get the, you know, the track sorted out. And they run about two more laps. Ryan Hunter, I have no idea what he was thinking. And I think he, even he had mentioned afterwards that he didn't know what he was thinking. 
But him and Alexander Rossi were battling for, I think, fifth. He goes to throw a block on Alexander Rossi, which kind of confused me for a couple different reasons. One, those guys are teammates. Um, two, Alexander Rossi's racing for a championship. You know, why are you doing that to your teammates? And Ryan Hunter Ray was so busy battling with Rossi that he missed the corner and took out Jack Harvey, who was running fourth at the time and looked like he was going to have a really great day for that team. And not the start that he wanted, obviously. And, and then it kind of got a little tame. Just one more yellow after that. So they ran two green flag laps in the first 16, and then they had two caution laps the rest of the way. That 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 general that that sounds like what an IndyCar race can be. Sometimes is, is they they sometimes struggle into turn one and like Pocono, like well that was turn two, but the, the <laughs> same the same idea. <laughs> Lap one. Well, that was really that was really the first straightaway before turn two. It wasn't even in the corner at Pocono. But this race, one thing with that first lap crash that that was just unfortunate is Connor Daly was able to sub for Marcus Erickson. It was called the Spa. For, as he is a reserve driver for Alfa Romeo's F1 team. So he was over there. So Connor Daly slid into that number seven machine for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports. Ended up with a really good qualifying run and was really excited to see what he would do in a, in a really good race car because he's been running the Carlin car and he's been doing way better than that equipment should do in that machine. But see what he could do in the seven. Was right there on pace with James Hinchcliffe and on both, unfortunately both him and Hinchcliffe were taken out of that race, so we didn't get to see what Connor could do with a, a full race inside that seven car. But I still think he's done enough in his races this season. He's still going to have one more in an Andretti car next race two weeks from now at Laguna Seca to, to prove that he deserves a full-time ride. But if he's not, to, to me, he should be getting calls left and right right now for, from teams trying to figure out how to get him full-time next year. Yeah, we just, I mean, the IndyCar season, silly season, has been kind of very slowly developing. Um, it does sound like, I guess from what I'm reading as we speak, that James Hinchcliffe is under contract to be with Aero McLaren for 2020. That, that did come out this week that he, it, it was all, I think, but confirmed. So it, they didn't 100% confirm it, but, and I still think that's because they got to work out the, the, legal issues with the contracts but he yeah. will be at, at s so at McC what is it mclaren arrow racing spm or yeah something, whatever something that name like is that. now so i mean that's that probably secures one ride you go to aj mccoy aj foyt enterprises um matthias lace tony canon we don't really know about their future for 2020 and then that other arrow mclaren racing team you know we've heard santino ferrucci Maybe they end up going Connor Daly and then Carlin. You, you don't know what their future is like. I think Felix Rosenvist, he's only under contract this year, but I think he's done enough to earn another year at Chip Ganassi. And then, you know, Dale Coyne, it all depends on what Santino Ferrucci does. Um, Colton Herta, I would say, is probably going to be back at Harding Steinbrenner racing in that 88 machine. So there's a lot we don't know. Hopefully we know more soon. But they did announce the schedule. They did one change and and only yeah. one change. A couple dates switch around, switched around. Coda is a little bit later this year just because they didn't want a conflict with Sebring. But only one change. Pocono off the schedule. If you're going to take one oval off, I think they put the right oval back in, going to another short oval, and they're headed to Richmond. Yeah, which the first time since 2009, I believe. Um, 
that that's a track that's pretty much similar to Iowa. Um, Iowa was kind of modeled after Richmond, and Iowa provides great IndyCar racing, so I don't expect Richmond to be anything different. And I feel like there is one guy that really, really loves that they're going back to Richmond. His name is Scott Dixon because he always ran really, really well at Richmond. So that'll be a fun one. Um, I think they said tickets are already on sale for that, which will that'll probably fill up ridiculously quick. It will, and and that that I was hoping there. I I know they they like that seventeen eighteen number. I was hoping there'd be a couple more races added. I I just feel like the IndyCar schedule is a couple races short. I don't think they need 36 races like NASCAR, but but get to 20 is kind of where I would have liked them to have been. But if they weren't able to put those deals together, and then they they end up at 17. I, I did hear something where I think Pocono was on the schedule, and until they I think they released it Saturday it was on the schedule until Thursday, but they weren't able to get that deal back together. So. I think a schedule where you get to 20 races and, and maybe add one more oval just because that's what makes the, the IndyCar series different. Get get one more oval, whether it's it's get Pocono back on the schedule, whether it's you go to a, another track or Chicago. You, you go to – I know they go to Texas, and you got to be careful with the mile and a half because you do have the danger factor, but – you end up with a situation where I, I saw this on social media as well, and I kind of was like, that might end up being interesting, is a track like Darlington. It's not really a, a mile and a half, but it, it's such a line-sensitive track. Didn't they used to run, like, Milwaukee? They used to run Hampshire. Milwaukee, but or go back to New Hampshire. That that would be an interesting race as well as another short oval. If you don't want to go to the, the high-speed ovals and you want to stay away from those as much as possible, Go to some more short, short ovals, and they're all over the place. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned Darlington. I think that'd be a lot of fun to, to watch an IndyCar race there. Yeah, I'd like to see 20. Go to Darlington. Go to Watkins Glen. Um, I think that's a, a premier road course. And then go to Canadian Tire. Go somewhere like that. That, that would be my 20. And I, I kind of agree with that is Watkins Glen. They had it on the schedule for a couple years. Now it's back off the schedule, so hopefully get that back on soon. But but like like we said, get to get to twenty races. I think that's a good number. Just add a couple more because there's a couple. You start in March. I feel like they end a little bit early, and then there's a, a couple spots where they're kind of just off for for too long. But real quick, back to Portland. Will Power ended up being your winner. Unfortunately, he's not really in that championship battle. Yeah, but he's found some momentum late. He picked up a win a couple weeks ago in the rain-shortened race at Pocono. Dominated the second half of the race at Portland. Uh, it took him a while, but he's kind of finally found that willpower stride. And then Felix Rosenqvist finished in the second position. Alexander Rossi third. Colton Hurd a fourth. Joseph Newgarden in fifth. Spencer Piggott with a good solid run in sixth. Simon Pagano seventh. Mateus Laced in eighth. Sebastian Bourdais ninth. And then Charlie Kimball finished in the tenth position. And as you mentioned, Joseph Newgarden might have uh, saved a championship on that opening lap. He goes into the double points week, a week and a half really from now, with a 41-point lead over Alexander Rossi, a 42-point lead over Simon Pagano, and an 85-point lead over Scott Dixon. 
Scott Dixon still mathematically eligible with the double points week that Laguna Seca will be, but he's going to need a lot of help. Yeah, he, really, he comes in 85 out. So and when Jacob says double points, what he means is, is normally an IndyCar race gives 50 points to the winner. Instead, it's 100, you know, at Laguna Seca, 40 for second one. Instead, it's 80. Everything is multiplied. So if there's a 24-car field, you know, 24th place usually gets six points. Instead, they're going to get 12 points. So there's a shot for him, but a lot of weird stuff would yeah, have Scott to Dixon basically has to win. Joseph Newgarden's going to have to finish last. And then the other two. And then the other two to. are going to have to finish second to last and third to last in order for him to really get to that. Yeah. But you go to the – they're gonna have that. They're gonna have to have struggles, but for I mean, for Joseph Newgarden though, he's not safe. No, forty one is not a lot of points. Well, and you know you get a point for the pole. They still give those out for the last race. You get a point for the pole. You get a point for leading at least one lap. You get a point for leading the most laps. So there's a chance a guy could take home hundred and three points, which you look at Newgarden's lead right now of forty one. That means that, say, Simon Paginot or um, Alexander Rossi are to win, Joseph Newgarden must finish at least fifth. And with, with IndyCar, that, that's, that's not easy. No. So it, and Joseph said that. He, he, he wanted it to be a lot more. 40, 41's not safe. When you look at the left turn IndyCar standings, Trevor's even less safe. Yeah. He's only got a 20-point lead headed into the final race. So... Where we where we sit, basically you've got to win, Trevor, to to secure your, your championship when we when we pick next week. Maybe your NASCAR bad luck will move over into IndyCar. I don't know how I'm winning the IndyCar points. I I have no idea how. I mean, I follow IndyCar and stuff. I'd be lying if I said I watch it probably as close as you do, because um, a lot of times I either forget it's on or I've got other stuff going on. I think I've watched. I know I haven't watched a full IndyCar race this year. Um, I don't know how I'm, how I'm winning the IndyCar points, but I am, so I'll, I'll take it. But I, Well, I, I know how you're winning. You, you got a, a sixth at the Indy 500 compared to a 26. Yeah. And then you went through a stretch where it was third, second, first, sixth, second, and fifth. Who were those with? Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Simon Paginot, Scott Dixon, Simon Paginot. Hey, go with... Go with what gets you to the dance. Meanwhile, I went ninth, third, fifteenth, first, eighteenth, and seventh. So, can I say I'm a points racer? I've I've been rolling with Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Simon. I don't have I picked Alexander Rossi at all this year. I don't know that I have. I think you did. He was my once. championship pick at the start of the season. I think yours was Joseph Newgarden. You so. actually you've picked him twice. I pick him at one of the Detroit races. One of the Detroit, and then the first race of the year at St. Pete. Okay. So, yeah, other than that, I've gone pretty much Paginot, Dixon, Newgarden the entire time. I know I took Will Power once at Coda, I think, and I took Ed Carpenter in the 500. Uh, but, hey, I'll take it. I, I just got to finish strong at Laguna Seca, a track that we know nothing about. And that, that race is, is two weeks away, so we'll – Preview that, talk a little bit more about that next week. Again, we will be live on Monday, 3 to 4. It's two weeks from now, August, September 22nd. Bit. So we get, Thank I know, you, Trevor. You get three weeks of you know Pocono Gateway, Portland, and then you get three weeks off for the championship. So, yeah, September 22nd. Uh, apparently, I now think a one is a two. It happens. 
Apparently, I was confusing my com law paper with the final race in the IndyCar schedule. I, I don't know <laughs> why I thought it was September 12th, but that's a Thursday. So, it's September 22nd. So, credit Trevor with, with catching that. Cause what can I say? I'm just on top of things. That'll do it for us here on the left turn. I'm Jacob Blair. That's Trevor Mater. Thank you for listening in. We'll be live 3 to 4 on KZLX 106.7 on Mondays. Thank you for listening.